My name is Owen Walsh, and this is the Brussels Beer City Podcast. Each week, a fascinating Brussels resident invites me, your host, to their favorite Brussels bar, where, over a drink or two, we talk about the importance of the bar to our guest, their relationship to Brussels, what they love, what they hate, and why they couldn't live anywhere else. My guest on today's episode is Elisabeth Debourse, a journalist, writer of the weekly Mordor newsletter, and host of several podcasts herself, one of which, Salad 2, is currently in production for its second season. Over a lunchtime beer at a central Brussels cheese bar, Elizabeth and I talk about how she's very much not a food journalist, but a writer engaged on societal questions of which food is just one fascinating part, the need to break out of our bubbles if we want to deal with race and representation in the Belgian food world, and what it's like to have to taste terrible shrimp croquettes for your job. Elisabeth de Bourse, welcome to the show. Um, first question we ask everybody, where are we? We are at uh, La Fruitière, which is a cheesemonger uh, award that you just, uh, I just learned right now, <laughs> like two minutes ago. Uh, so it's, um, it's a bar à fromage, a cheese bar in the center of Brussels, uh, where you can have different experiences. You can have a drink at the end of the day, you can have lunch. Uh, at lunchtime, you can also just buy cheeses and also a good uh, selection of beers. Yeah, um, it's quite a new concept here in Brussels, isn't it? Sort of, do you feel like it's a bit reflective of a of a of a new kind of food scene that's happening in the city right now? I think we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Explain. Yeah, I have a good story about that. So. When La Fruitière opened, I have to say that people who are working here are really good friends now, and I love them really, really much. I feel like there's a but coming. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> when uh, La Fruitière opened, uh, so it's on the window, it's, it's written Bar à Fromage, Cheese Bar, and I kind of hate that kind of concept. Like, you just can have the cheesemonger, it's okay, you don't have to make so much uh, about it. And so I didn't want to, to come here for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But it's a kind of my job to, to, to visit that kind of place. So at some point I came and there were like a um, degustation mm-hmm. of, uh, of cheeses and beers from Brussels, yep. which is really interesting. So I came and I said to, uh, to Vero, the co-owner, I didn't want to come here, but it was so nice. <laughs> it was just a great moment. And... Uh, from this time, we always love about it because it's not a cheese bar. It's just a place where you can <laughs> you can buy good cheese uh, and have good moments. But also, it's also important to have that kind of way to um, demarcation. Mm-hmm. Is it the word? Yeah. You the, know what I mean? Or yeah. To to make the difference. Yeah. And um, and so that's why they did, but they they didn't they didn't make a fuss about it. Yeah. So it's it's more like the people and the clients who like it, and they're like, ah, it's a concept, it's a cheese bar, and they're like, yeah, we just <laughs> sell cheese, it's okay like that. Basically, they just decided. Well, I mean, Veronique, who who, who runs the place, is a award-winning yeah uh, cheese monger mm-hmm. um, from Conte. And and her son Leo, who's, who loves his beers and his cheese, so they just decided to combine the two, which I think is great. And it was because of beer 
that I have came to discover this place because they do have a fantastic beer selection. Yeah, and I just think that they are really warm and welcoming people. It's normal to have a kind of place where you can you can welcome people and just have a chat with them. It's not only about selling stuff. Yeah. Um, I asked you, you know, the question about, you know, the, the changing food scene in Brussels because you are a journalist who focuses on food. Um, you have your newsletter, Mordant, which we can get into, and you write for uh, magazines here in Belgium. Um, how did you get into that line of work? Uh, so... I'm not really a journalist focusing on food. I'm descri always describing myself as a society journalist. Mm -hmm. I'm interested about what the society is um, challenged about. But food is a great topic <laughs> to talk about that. And I love food. I always love to eat and I love to to talk about it and at some point it became a very important stuff in my work and mm -hmm. you're right right now I'm basically only working about food <laughs> but I'm not like a um, food journalist in the way that I'm not um, writing reviews yeah. about restaurants yeah you're writing more from the socio-cultural side of things yes so what does that look like in Brussels in 2020? Mm. Or in Belgium, because, I mean, you don't just cover the city, but you write about the Before whole country. or after COVID? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Because, yeah, we're sitting here, well, more or less, well, we're probably, what, a month, six weeks out from the lockdown being eased Yeah, it here. was in March, we're in July. Yeah, I know it feels a long time ago, doesn't mm -mm. it? Um, well, maybe post-COVID then, like, how, how, did you, how did you get through it? How, 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 how was your lockdown for you? And, and then, you know, what do you think has changed in the, in the months since? So about the scene, I think that we were getting a point where it was becoming very interesting, what's mm -hmm. happening here. Uh, people were inventing new stuff or be more proud of what they were doing. And COVID happened and everyone had to get humble again, mm. to be humble again and to think about why they do it. I don't know if everyone is asking that question, like, why are we doing it? Yeah. But I think that people who are, who are asking this, themselves this question are the ones who are probably going to stay. <laughs> uh, and how did I leave COVID? Um, so I think I was uh, super active. Yeah. Uh, it was... A productive time for you. Yeah, because I wanted to feel... Um, I didn't want to feel useless, mm. and I felt really useless. Yeah. As a journalist who's only writing big format and long, long stories, yeah. I couldn't meet people. It was very hard, so yeah, because I... because traveling to producers and people is a, real part, is a big part of what you're doing. Yeah, it? it was impossible, and I had to assume that it was not possible. People didn't want to meet me. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I decided to launch a podcast, a COVID podcast, uh, which is a kind of uh, extension of my newsletter. Yeah. It's called Mordant Téléphone Maison. So that, that thing that E.T. <laughs> is saying uh, is what E.T. phone e. house, phone something yeah. like that. So I phoned people and I did interviews through the phone. And each time I asked the interviewees to give me three persons I should uh, phone again, yeah. other people I should phone. It was a way to expand also a bit my world. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was super interesting. Um, so, I mean, it's not your first podcast. No. Um, and it comes from the newsletter. So maybe first, maybe just tell, for those, of, for those listeners who don't know about the newsletter, 
a little bit about what it is and, 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 and where the idea came from and what you want to do with it. So I always say that Mordant came from frustration. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's a good re yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I couldn't sell or even propose that kind of subjects to uh, the Belgian press. I think yeah. it's not in our uh, culture to think and talk about food that way. So um, not only saying miam miam c'est bon, as I say, always say like yummy, it's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I couldn't say that kind of uh, articles, but I was uh, reading a lot about it, listening a lot about it, and I wanted to share it. So yeah. I decided in November 2019 to launch this uh, newsletter, and yeah, I think some people like it. And, <laughs> and where do you where are you getting your inspiration from for that? <sighs> everything I read and yeah. everything I consume, and sometimes. You consume so much that you can build some bridges, and it's why it's interesting. I think it's only watching and listening and reading some stuff around me. Yeah. And, and most of um, what I read is from the, the US. Actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a big discussion in US and, well, mostly US food writing and food media at the moment about diversity and inclusion. Yeah, that's right. And also, they have. They have the food studies that it's something that nobody knows about here. Yeah. So actually, I discovered that we have a food studies lab in Brussels, uh, which is connected to another in France and in um, Italy. But it's, um, it's kind of dark subjects. It's not uh, promoted. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, oh, it's, there isn't so much money in it. And, but in the US, it's like gender studies or yeah. racial studies. It's, really something. And do you think that kind of conversation is happening in the US? And I know that you've covered in the newsletter around race and diversity and who gets to speak about different foods. Do you think that conversation needs to come to Belgium or will come to Belgium at some point? Mm, I think it's really hard for people to talk about that. Yeah. They always find excuses to okay. not talk about racism. Like, it's like that here. Or people are not there. Uh, like... Um, people of colors are not there. It's like women, actually. It's like we are not doing anything. But actually, it's like there are so many people who are there. And it's just that we don't want to see them and we are comfortable in all little bubbles. And yeah. So I think it's pretty hard to have this conversation right now. But I hope it will, it will come. How open and how diverse is the Brussels scene at the moment? Or mm -hmm. how much better could it be? It's interesting. I don't. I think a lot of people are trying their best. Yeah. And you cannot say the opposites, and especially in that kind of moments where it's really challenging. But at the same point, uh, the, the the same time, they, they don't really want to see what's outside. It's already so hard to make your own thing that you yeah. don't want to think about the others. And I can understand that, but probably that if you if you would be more open, you could have more opportunities or do more interesting stuff because yeah. we are always following trends outside of Belgium. Maybe we can have our own trend if we were <laughs> looking at our own people. Yeah, of course. Um, that's true. Um, but coming back to you, um, so you're from Brussels, mm -hmm. born and raised. Um, like what, were your, or what were your formative food memories? Like, what, what, how, like where did your interest in, in, in the food and the, in the cultural aspect of things come from? Mm, so I'm from the north of Brussels, which is a 
special parts, not like the city center <laughs> or south of Excel, stuff like yeah. that. Um, and my mother hates to cook. <laughs> so, and we, we all, always had like really a bit processed food or, mm -hmm. so my fondest memories are like hot dog on the Wednesday before going to the swimming pool, <laughs> stuff like that. It's not really, it's not Belgian. It's not, uh, it's not gourmet. Yeah. It's just a normal childhood. I think people sometimes, um, are fetishize, fetishizing uh this kind of period of life it's mm. just you just want to eat candies <laughs> that's true i mean i remember my own mother was not a great fan of cooking either and our, our most exotic treats were jars of curry sauce um you know or or, or donuts on a friday you know that sort of thing mm -mm. Um, and do you still live there or do you have you moved elsewhere into the city I've moved elsewhere. I live in Saint-Gilles. Oh, well. <laughs> so typical. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't live there anymore. But I think it's an interesting part of the city. You know, you have, it's really near to the countryside, actually. Yeah, that's true. So uh, people always assume that since I, I, I've been, I'm born in Brussels, I have had a like, really urban life uh, it's mm. not the case uh. yeah yeah i mean so many people don't realize that a lot of the edges of the city are mm -mm. basically uh, farmland or woods or you know green green spaces um so what drew you to saint gilles what, what, how, how did you end up there um i think i just found a nice apartment <laughs> <laughs> not so expensive no i lived in the city center i yeah. really like this uh, neighborhood i feel it's a kind of village and, uh, but you have to live here to know it, that on Sunday morning it's really calm and you can meet a lot of people. And, you know, at some point I just moved out and I found this nice apartment and I'm just uh, next to the Parvis de Saint-Gilles. But it's also calm and I love that you can have small shops and relationships with, yeah. um, with uh, shop owners. That's what I love. So when you're not at Le Fruitier, where do you like to hang out? I hang out at Le Petit Mercado, which mm -hmm. is a kind of new bar, really nice. Uh, Pia Emano opened it less than one year ago, and we we clicked <laughs> immediately. <laughs> they are selling really, really nice products that they are choosing themselves. They have good wines. It's just such a warm atmosphere. I I love that kind of place where yep. you can enter, and it's not like they are not saying. Uh, okay, the same, uh, like, I'm always taking the same beer, it's more, I have my own little place, and <laughs> I can I can sit where I want, and that's what I like. And in Saint-Gilles, uh, what else? You can just have beers. Uh, yeah, there is a new new place that just opened. Maybe you should okay. go. It's called... Spill the beans. Yes. So, yes, it's the, the translation. It's a beautiful French word to say, um, collecti collective joy. Okay. And uh, it's really a collective joy project, a collective project, because it's, um, it's a bar owner, uh, Pierre Milour. He has a um, uh, chez ta mère mm -hmm. in XL, uh, yeah. and he opened it with uh, here, Leo, uh, ah, okay. who, who's doing the, the cheese selection, and with Boucher Double, uh, which is um, a twin project. Okay. A uh, project of twins uh, who, who are cooking and imagining... Uh, concepts around food and who am I forgetting? Yeah, Pépin. <laughs> they are importers of uh, wine. Okay. Really good natural wines and yeah, these people just uh, connect. They connected during the the COVID oh and right. they decided to open this place uh, just to 
to show that uh, Brussels is alive, I think. Yeah, because it's an ambitious thing to do, to open a new restaurant. But they are changing, every three months, they are changing chefs. Okay. So their their mission is also to promote uh, new young people who would like to uh, invest in Brussels. I'll be sure to link to that in the the show notes. Um, So, I mean, you're from here, you've lived here most of your life. What what is there that's exciting? What keeps you happy to be living in Brussels? Mm. What is it about Brussels? You know, a few days ago, someone asked me for um, if I wanted a job in Paris. And oh, I said, yeah. hell no. <laughs> <laughs> like, correct, you know correct answer. <laughs> do you know the quality of life that we have here? I think it's just, Brussels is home. It's yeah. a comfortable place. Uh, uh, it takes its time. Its time. It, the city doesn't, people in the city are pretty humble. They don't feel like they are a capital city, I think. Maybe people outside of Brussels would think <laughs> otherwise, but um, yeah, I think it's just comfortable. Stuff happen, they happen, but it's not like you have to do it. Yeah. You can take your time and feel comfortable here. Pace of life is definitely slower here than in Paris, I think. Mm-mm. And it's cheaper. <laughs> it's cheaper, which is an important uh, characteristic. Um, but on the flip side then, you know, someone who knows Brussels incredibly well, what gets you annoyed about the city? Like, what drives you mad on a day-to-day basis? Mm, relating to food? Or? Anything. Mm, <laughs> food, livability, you know, whatever, whatever, you're, whatever, just, you know. That do things are so slow <laughs> <laughs> to happen, I think. Um, yeah, if you, always, you always have to take time to convince people mm. about, I don't know, gender questions or political questions. The fact that we cannot recognize uh, colonization here in the streets and you cannot just remove some uh, statues or contextualize them after so many, so many years, yeah. it's, it's crazy. So yeah, it takes time. Things do take a lot of time. And that's actually, I mean, you're not the first person to, to bring that question up, but you know, things happen outside of the world one day, and then three years later, they happen in Brussels. That's how somebody described it to me. Um, would you consider ever living anywhere else that's not Paris? Mm, I don't think so. No? I think when I was younger, uh, I was eager to, to go somewhere else and have a total new life. But I don't know. <laughs> I, love, I love my friends. I love my life here. I love my apartment. I'm, when I go, when I, I love to travel. I yeah. travel a lot. When I travel, I'm, I'm, this is the city where I feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, this is a beer podcast. So mm-hmm. I would be remiss of me not to... I'm not going to ask you what your favorite beer is because, you know, as a, as a beer drinker, I know that changes from day to day. But do you enjoy drinking local beers? Like, what, 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 what do you... F- what, what do you enjoy drinking when you're out and about? That isn't wine. I mean, you can like wine too, but you know. Yeah, I was going to <laughs> say that I drink a lot of wine. Yeah. And I drink, I drink less and less beers. But, uh, you know, we arrived here and you can... Vero just... Um, she proposed us to try a new mm. beer. And it's a new beer, but at the same, same time, it's the same person's. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the same. It's comfortable. Uh, to to drink here and you have these um, breweries uh, you know what they are doing 
And you know that if you want a sour beer, you can go to uh, Cantillon. Yeah. If you want a goose, the best goose, you can... You, you can For sure, it's there that you have to go. If you want um, a really drinkable beer, mm -hmm. you know, a uh, beer de soif, yeah. uh, you can go to a Brasserie de l'Hermitage or if you want to bring some friends, uh, some some foreigners, you can go to Brussels Beer Project. Um. Yeah. No, there's a huge diversity now. And, and I mean, and, and that's great. Um, before we uh, hit on... Is it great? Is it great? Is it great? Um I'm supposed to be asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think there's... I mean, when I moved to the city in 2009, there was one brewery. I read your paper. It was so interesting. Um, which one was that? About Zinebier. Oh, yeah, like, Zinebier. there is a before, like the Christ. There is before yeah. and after Zinebier. And it's true. I mean, I didn't make that up just for the article. Um, like when I moved here in 2009, there was one brewery, and that was Cantillon, making the strangest beers in the world. So it's not like it was... I mean, you don't go... Back then, you wouldn't have gone into a mm -mm. local bar here in 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 Niederhembeck or Lacken or wherever and gotten a, a Goose Cantillon mm -mm. it wouldn't happen um and then Brasserie de la Seine came along and and showed that it was possible to to, to make beers here mm -hmm. Brussels Beer Project came along afterwards and showed a different way of doing things still successful and I mean they're about to break ground on their new brewery in Anderlecht um this year at some point um and then just it's just been a wave somebody I was talking to um Nassim from Brasserie Hermitage future guest on the show Um, he was saying that there are four new breweries opening in 2020. Really? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what's interesting is that you can identify places. And I feel sometimes about beers that um, the new is the best. Mm. And it's not, it's not really <laughs> our, our heritage, actually. If, yeah. you, if you look at Cantillon, it's the, the one who stays the longer or who has the, its own identity and you can relate on it so sometimes I feel a bit lost actually about yeah. beers I, I feel like it's changing so much that I cannot uh, catch it and it's, a it's true and I think I mean the challenge is up until now it's been quite easy to carve a niche out for yourself so Brasserie de la Seine have their niche as sort of godfathers of the scene everybody loves them the beers are amazing you know Cantillon have their niche where they do something nobody else could do or nobody else has tried Brussels Beer Project is their niche. Even somebody like Unstummelings are good at what they're doing, and, and they're really the only ones that are doing it. But the more and more breweries you get coming along, um, the harder that becomes. And also the higher the threshold of quality becomes. Yeah, it's more like every brewery feel... I feel like every brewery feel like they have to release a beer every month. Yeah, yeah. Is it so interesting? Like, you cannot... Maybe you can just adjust your recipe or... <laughs> Uh, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. If the brewers are creative... Well, a beer a month is, is a challenge. Mm. Um, but if the brewers are creative and they know what they're doing and they're willing to experiment, go, out, go beyond the boundaries of the classic Brussels, uh, Belgian canon of triples, doubles, saisons, mm -hmm. whatever, or, again, you know, are not making a, an IP, the same IPA with different hops every month, then, yeah, okay, it can be interesting. L'Hermitage is a good example. They just brought out a beer-wine hybrid, which is um, yes. which is really amazing. Um, far too much alcohol in it for me. I got drunk very quickly. <laughs> But um, you see, th that, that's something that's interesting, something that maybe they, they wouldn't have tried when they opened the brewery three years ago, but now that they've been up and running and are stable and can start to expand and experiment and explore like the love of wine that they all have. That's interesting. Mm -mm. I don't want to be drinking the same IPA every, every four months with just a little bit more wheat or a little bit more barley added to it. 
But we should, um, you know, I'm happy to educate. Well, you don't need education, but I'm happy to. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I always need education. But um, that's enough talking about, that's enough about me talking. But um, so what's, what's, what's coming down the line for you? What, what have you got planned? Um, new series of the podcast, the newsletter will continue. Newsletter is continuing. Uh, but yeah, it's a scoop. I'm going to give you a scoop. <laughs> so you, you said earlier that it was not my first podcast, exactly. the one I did during COVID. So uh, I, I co-realized a podcast in uh, 2019 uh, called Salatou. Salatou is uh, it's a kind of interjection in a sentence yeah. that uh, you, you say at, um, when you buy a, dr- a drum to a oh, kebab. Yeah. And uh, especially in Brussels, I think yeah. it's not something that you say outside of Brussels. So uh, the guy, most of the time it's a guy, asks you salad too, which means do you want salad and do you want tomatoes, maize, whatever. Yep. And if you want everything, you say salad too. Um, <laughs> so that's the name of the podcast. And we did a first season with uh, LRTBF, which is our uh, national media. Yep. And uh, we, are just, uh, we just began the production of the second season. Uh, which is going to focus on uh, food and um, COVID. Okay. Well, I look forward to listening to that. My French is not fantastic, but I'll do my best. Um, and um, I'll be sure to flag that in the show notes. But before we go, last section, we always do our, our rapid fire rounds. Where I, ah, yeah, I forgot. Right, Chris, you, have you been studying? <laughs> no. Okay, well then, it's fine. You can crash and burn and embarrass yourself. That's okay. Uh, right, you ready to go? Yes. Favorite Brussels neighborhood? Saint-Gilles. Sorry, guys. It's okay. So typical. <laughs> Place du Châtelain or Place Jeux de Balle? Oh, Place du Jeux de Balle. I hate Place du Châtelain. Correct answer. Uh, favorite Brussels restaurant? <sighs> Too many for different experiences in the moment. You and, can just and, shout. You can just, you can just say the last one that we, we talked about. Um, that's fine. Uh, stump or mussels? Mussels. Uh, waffles or pralines? <sighs> I don't like either. No. Um, it's for tourists. It's for tourists. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, what's your favorite Brussels delicacy? A croquette aux crevettes. Oh, okay. It's not really from Brussels, actually. Mm. I'm cheating. No, but it's. I mean, the best bro- uh, the best uh, croquette uh, crevette is made in Brussels. So yeah. There you go. I was on the in the jury. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I had to to uh, to eat nineteen croquette crevettes in like two hours. And how bad was the worst one? Really bad. <laughs> mm, really, like, pff, 10 on 19 were really bad. Okay, I feel like you're trying to distract me from my questions. Yeah. Um, Jacques Brel or Zwanger Guy? Zwanger Guy. Pills or Goose? Goose. Elizabeth Debourse, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. And that's all for today's episode of the Brussels Beer City podcast. Thanks again to my wonderful guest, to all my listeners, and a special shout out as usual to the excellent illustrators I've worked with on this season of the Brussels Beer City podcast. Julian Kremer, aka Crump, for the podcast logo, and to Helinda Demarle for this season's wonderful episode artwork. Check them out on Instagram. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do consider leaving a rating and a review. If you want to get in touch, you can email me at owen at beercity.brussels or you can find out more information about me and the podcast at www.beercity.brussels slash podcast. But until the next time, thanks for listening.